Welcome to Conversations in Equine. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible for horse owners and enthusiasts. Please remember with each episode that we discuss to make sure you're getting professional help um, before you implement any of the strategies as each horse is an individual. This week, Nancy and I are actually looking at three papers, which is a first for the podcast. And that is because we had um, a lovely listener write in and ask us to look into the area of anatomical girths. So this is something that has been gaining a lot of traction in the last couple of years. Um, Anatomical girths are basically girths that are shaped differently to... um, allow some give and flow with the anatomy of the horse. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But the three papers that we are going to look at are, um, let me get my topic here. So we've got girth pressure measurements reveal high peak pressures that can be avoided using an alternative girth design that also results in increased limb protraction and flexion in the swing phase. And that was by Rachel Murray, Russell Guire, Mark Fisher, and Vanessa Fairfax. The second paper we'll be discussing is Girthiness, a retrospective study of 37 horses, and that spanned over 2004 to 2016. That's Esther Milleres Ramirez and Sarah uh, Lewan. I believe it's pronounced. And then finally, we're looking briefly as well at the topographical anatomy of the equine and cutaneous trunchi in relation to the position of the saddle and girth. And that's Alexander Ivardin, uh, Narelle Stubbs and Hilary Clayton for that paper. So a lot to take in there in one go. Um, but Nancy, you kind of really went deep trying to find a search on anatomical girts. And this, we both came across the same paper, interestingly, about how pressure plays a big role. So that might be one that we kind of focus in on more. But these three papers kind of sum it up nicely um, and explain a little bit about why there has been that move in the industry towards girths that are shaped more leniently in a way, I guess, towards the horse's anatomy. Yeah, I've looked up at some of the girth styles that are on the market right now, especially in the States. And um, the straight girths seem to be more the standard girth. And then the anatomical girths are curved or have the um, shoulder relief type factor um, interwoven into the girth. However, according to the paper, that's the pressure paper, um, you have to have that space behind the elbow because that is where the most pressure accumulates with the girths. And it's interesting enough, if you're going to get a pressure point or a pressure sore, it's going to be there. And the anatomical girths, so it's almost like an S shape um, at the part of the girth that goes directly under the horse's chest. So you have 
that curve away from each elbow. Um, but it was that paper was really interesting about the pressure because they actually put these pressure sensors under the girth and they tested it with both the anatomical girths and then your standard ones as well. And they did this in what's called a double blind crossover study. And I just wanted to briefly explain this because I don't think we've come across a double blind crossover study in the other podcasts. But what's interesting about that type of study is that this is where the participants or the animals will receive either the real treatment or placebo. So um, the real thing in this case is the anatomical girth. And what they're always used to is the standard one, but then it's switched. So the horse that's ridden in the anatomical one and the data is gathered on that horse, they'll then have a period where that horse is ridden in the same one as well. So that's where you get your double crossover. Um, and that way they kind of get more information, more mileage out of the research, if that makes sense. But it was a great paper. That was 2013 that paper but they saw that there was a markedly increased amount of pressure using those standard girths and it even affected the gait of the horse and how the horse was moving its legs how it was actually going through that swing phase it had such a knock-on effect that it was really interesting because I mean I've had a mare that has definitely reacted to having her girth before Um, anytime we would close it for a period of time and we had physiotherapists and chiropractors come out we thought it was a back problem and you know there were so many things that we looked into but that's why in my head I always kind of correlated like if the horse is like napping or reacting that's where you have a girth problem but I never thought you can have plenty of horses that don't react but their gait is different. You're actually needing to visualize them moving with the girth. Right. And the I thought it was so interesting that they distinguish between maximum forces and pressure or peak pressure. So the standard girth, the peak pressure was behind the elbow in that trunk eye muscle that you talked about in that other paper and then also um, the peak pressures were in the standard girth were 76 percent more on the left side and 98 percent more on the right side greater than the anatomical girth that's that's significant that's quite a bit of increase there so whether it's maximum forces of the riding versus peak pressures, they were both greater in the standard girth. And the peak pressure was more prominent when uh, the horse was in the foreleg stance. And then the opposing hind limb would be touching the ground as well. So then you saw the peak of the pressure, it was a lot higher during that phase. It's funny because every time we do like certain topics, I'm always thinking like, oh, how could technology improve this? But it would be so cool to have like a technological girth, which would obviously, you know, not be very practical to put on every horse. But 
even as just a training method, you know, like have something that's built in. So we train ourselves in how to position them, make sure they're not, you know, causing pressure because even some horses suffer pressure sores from where the girth is. And that in the past has been associated with, you know, the girth isn't clean or um, more actually towards the cleanliness of it than necessarily the fit and how that's impacting it. And interestingly, the listener who um, sent in the question said, and I thought it was just so true, she said, tack fit now is just as much about the girth as it is the saddle, which I think is brilliant that like we're moving in that direction and we're looking at the whole and not just the parts. But with the horses in the study that was from 2004 to 2016, this was looking at girthiness. So girthiness is like a colloquial term for girth aversion. So horses that don't like the girth being put on. And in that study, this absolutely amazed me. They actually found that 92% of the horses um, that were gastroscoped, so a scope is put down into their stomach, were diagnosed with gastric ulcers and that was causing aversion to the girth too. So it's not always the positioning or even the pressure, but you really do, like, as I say at the beginning of each podcast, you really do need to make sure you're getting a professional in to um, check your horse over and make sure everything's okay health-wise with them as well. Yeah, that's important because... um, you do need to have an endoscopy on those horses to be able to know for certain if they do have ulcers because you just don't want to assume. And Nancy, um, when it comes to racehorses, how do you think this, this kind of research could be applied? Or you were saying, you know, there's certain tack that you use in racing that obviously isn't used in other areas of equestrianism yeah it's really hard with racing um, to change the shape of the girth because of the forces the horse and rider undergo leaving the starting gate so we even have a rubber channel that goes underneath the horse that you bring the initial girth through and tighten it as tight as you can. And then you bring an over girth over the saddle and under, and then tighten that as well. And then still at times when that horse leaves the starting gate, that saddle will slip back a little bit. And that's the forces are just so great. And there had been a study done that said, um, if women tighten the girth, the horses were more likely to win because they could get more air into their lungs because the thoracic area wasn't so impeded. But now it kind of shows that it does impede the thoracic, uh, the ribs from expanding and taking in air, but not to the point that it would be a detriment to 
you know, competitiveness during the race or even just losing the race. So um, that kind of has been disproven now through research, but it's really hard. You just have got to make sure that it's safe for the rider and the horse because um, you don't want that saddle to slide off. And it's happened, but um, you really have to tighten that girth so tight. I don't think you could go with a relief girth or an anatomical yeah. girth in that situation. Um, I could be I could be wrong, though. Maybe we should try it, but I don't <laughs> want to be on the horse trying it. <laughs> um, as a kind of an aside to that, I know there is research into this, but did you ever routinely like lift your horse's forelegs after you saddled them up? Yes, um, I worked for an old timer, a trainer that after we tighten the girth and had the over girth on, he always had me spin the horse, put walk it in a circle and then point it out towards the racetrack and he would stretch the four legs out and we did it every race and, and he just fully believed that that would kind he called it yeah. setting the girth so I don't know um, if other people you know advocate that or not but he was an old timer and you know I always remember that the way he would um, stretch the horses before we put I've the seen jockey on done, again it was by older horsemen um, and actually only two that I've seen do it that I can recall at the moment but and they would have just done it anytime they a saddle on the horse lifted the forelimbs to stretch it out and move it into place. Um, so I think that would be a good one for us to look into for a future episode because people might be positioning wrong as well, you know. And if you position the girth wrong and you over tighten it, it's it's not going to move a whole lot. You know, it's not going to move into that spot that you need it to be in. Um, but what I think was cool about yeah. This research is, it does, you know, it backs up that movement that is happening in the equine industry towards these anatomical girths in a positive light. So definitely something that's worth looking into. You had a bit of a Google of the different girth types, Nancy. Yeah, I was looking for one in for myself, for my pony, but I wanted to see what are they selling anatomical girths with that name? And then it's really not an anatomical girth. So you have to be careful when you order these because sometimes they still come up, um, you know, I guess caudally to the elbow. And those aren't true anatomical girths. You want that space between the elbow and right behind the elbow um, in that trunk high muscle. You don't want that girth edge to sit there. And like Kate said, it's an S design where that's open. And then that's considered a truly anatomical girth. And there's a lot of girths on the market um, right now that really still go straight behind the elbow. So you just have to be kind of savvy and uh, look at the design Eugene, before you um, buy. Upload a photo 
on Instagram and pop one up on the Facebook page as well. Um, because they have a really nice picture in the girth pressure um research that shows like in a shaded area it shows the actual anatomical girth and then in a grayed out area overlapping it it shows how a standard girth sits so you can see that contrast between the two of them which is quite cool so we can put that up on um the social media pages definitely and as always nancy always puts the papers in the um information underneath each podcast so if you ever do want to read up on the papers lots of papers do have infographics on them and have like images or charts or breakdowns of the data and if that's something that interests you then definitely take a look and follow up on those papers as well yeah and i wanted to mention that the um, anatomical girth um, did have um, greater forelimb protraction or forward movement. And the way they saw that was they put little tape markers at different anatomical points. And then they videoed the horses going and um, horses would do three passes to the left, three passes to the right. And um, they had a 6 to 11% greater forelimb protraction or forward movement. They had 10 to 20% greater hind limb protraction, 4% greater carpal flexion, 3% tarsal flexion, which would be hock flexion. And then uh, all that was greater than the standard girth. So that's pretty significant. And then in the end result, they propose that this may reflect improved posture and comfort. I thought that was really interesting that like in the knee and hock joints, they saw a difference as well. You know, it isn't something that just causes discomfort locally and it's not something that just impedes the elbow and then the horse can correct it. It throws off the entire movement of that leg. So really interesting research. Um, thank you again. So that came in from um, Positive Equine on Instagram. And definitely we have a couple more research papers that have been suggested that Nancy and I are going to work through. But definitely if you have any area you're interested in, just send it in to us because we love getting our thinking hats on and trying to find what's out there. And the other thing I was going to say as well, actually, Nancy, and um, when you talked about how they flagged the different areas and they took videos of it, that's just another use like that you can do with the coach's eye. Like that app is just so useful for getting that overview. Yeah, and you don't even have to have pressure mats then. Just videotape your horse and see if you see a you know better movement better posture and what appears to be better comfort and i wanted also to add in the um cutaneous trunchi muscle research they actually did necropsies and they cut that muscle where it was um, visible on the horse and each horse had a variable muscle. So they always thought it was pretty much standard and did not go under the panels of the saddle, 
but it ended up that research showed it does go underneath the panels and then it also wraps around the sides of the horse and then connects underneath where that ridge goes where sometimes you can run your fingers to, and the horse will lift its back and round its back it goes to that point so it's not only um, where the girth runs it's even from where your saddle panels sit. So that's the muscle we're talking about as far as spasms and maybe, um, you know, problems occurring along the nerves in that Again, muscle. so important, make sure you're using a properly fitted saddle um, and that you get someone who is trained to fit them. So, you know, gone, I think, are the days where, you used to just pick up any old saddle and put it on the horse. It's really important that we're making sure the tack they're wearing is actually comfortable and isn't going to cause any pain or any spasms to that muscle, as Nancy said. Yep, and I'll list all three of these papers. They're all available, open source, so anyone can read them and you know make your own deductions and uh, see you know, if something won't work for you. And if not, maybe have your vet come in and do some, you know, back and, um, you know, ulcer work up on your horse as well. Because it seemed like the one paper on the 37 horses, um, they did a retrospective study. And it's just so hard to pinpoint why a horse is girthy. But you know, you can start with ulcers and then musculature and then just try and go down down the line and see Even if you can't to hit upon past experiences. I mean, I think when it comes to horses reacting to things, yeah. it's like popping a balloon full of confetti and the confetti are all the reasons why sometimes. <laughs> oh, you've yeah. got so many variables. It's just... I don't even want to say what it could be because it's just an open book. But, you know, everybody, the more tools you have, um, maybe the Definitely. more success and I you think might starting find. with the biggest tool we can have, which is just knowledge and education on it, um, is so invaluable. And thank you again to everyone who's reached out and commented and tagged us and things over the past couple of weeks. Um, we love having interactions, so please do keep the messages coming in and let us know what you think or any topics. The um, Instagram handle, again, is conversations.equinescience, because I know I haven't said that for a while, and it's conversations in equine science on Facebook, so you can get a hold of us there. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Kate. It was a good show today and thanks for joining in and we'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye.